everyone. Welcome to Bible 101. We're going to continue our series of going through the Bible. Today we're going to do uh, lesson number 26, and we're going to actually continue our study of the New Testament. We're going to pick up with the coming of the, the Magi, or the wise men. And so let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to study the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you would direct my mind as I teach, because only you know the needs of people out there. God, please touch their hearts and speak to them, and lead me as I teach, and give me the words to speak, Jesus. I lean upon you, dear Master, in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pick up with Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. All right, let's talk about these wise men here. Now, uh, there's some debate about where these wise men are from. Uh, they could have been from uh, Persia. They could have been uh, from Babylon. There's some debate about where they came from. But because uh, most scholars believe that they came from uh, one of these lands, and if so, uh, they would be familiar with the Jewish scriptures because, remember, the Jews have been taken into captivity by these, uh, by these nations. And so these wise men would have been familiar with what the Jews believed. They would have been familiar with their scriptures. Okay, now notice it calls them wise men or magi. We're going to find out later that they watch the stars. This is called astrology. Uh, there's a difference between astronomy, the study of stars, and astrology, which is determining uh, the movement of the heavenly bodies by watching the skies and all this other stuff. Um, and, and so astrology was highly condemned by the Old Testament law. But it seems strange that God would lead these pagans, these people that are practicing uh, a form of witchcraft, really, uh, practicing that, uh, that God would use that to lead them to the truth. But uh, there's a promise given in the book of Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now God does not condone, let me make this very clear, God does not condone uh, astrology and what these men were doing. However, God obviously saw some type of a hunger in their heart, and he used that to lead them to the truth. Um, I've seen a lot of people come to God in unique facets. I, I remember I just talked to a man uh, the other day that told me his testimony about coming to God. He came in a very unique way, and he was almost embarrassed to tell me his testimony because he said, I know that it's it's not the usual manner, and I'd be condemned by a lot of people because I didn't come to God in the way people think I ought to come to God. So we need to be careful about putting binders on God. However, um, they had to come away from their astrology to come and find the Christ child. He may have used it to lead the, uh, to lead them to the Messiah, but once they got to the Messiah, they had to condemn those old ways and those old practices. Now, we don't know what happened to these magi after this. It doesn't mention them again. But it is interesting how, they, obviously, God saw some type of a hunger. They were aware enough of the Jewish scriptures that they had studied them enough to know about a prophecy about a star. Now, you might say, where is this prophecy found? Well, this prophecy about a star is found in the book of Numbers. And if you know anything about the book of Numbers, you probably know about the story of Balaam. Uh, Balaam was a, a man that was hired by Balak, king of Moab, to curse Israel. Uh, he was a sorcerer. However, that does not mean that we can totally discount um, the, uh, the prophecies of Balaam. 
And let's go to the book of Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 17. The book of Numbers chapter 24 and uh, verse number 17. This is Balaam speaking. Now, he's speaking under inspiration of God. He's not a godly man, but he's speaking under inspiration of God because every time he opens his mouth to curse Israel, he instead blesses them because of God, obviously putting the words in his mouth. So in that context, he says this, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Now watch this. Notice what he says. A star out of Jacob. So it tells us it's a star. It comes out of Jacob. So it tells us uh, it's it's a star that, it, that comes out of Jacob. Alright? Uh, in other words, Israel. And a scepter. So it ties in the star with a scepter, which obviously a scepter is talking about a king. Okay, now this is interesting because notice they come in verse 2 and they say, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So they tied the star and the scepter together. And obviously this is talking about this prophecy. Most scholars are agreed that this is what this is talking about. This prophecy that Balaam mentioned. And so, when they come before Herod, remember, Herod is not a legitimate ruler of the Jews. He's not legitimate at all. He's an Edomite. He's hated by the Jews. However, the only people that like Herod is the people that are corrupt because he's given them religious power, and that's the Sad Sadducees and Pharisees, and even them have have kind of a, uh, uh, a, 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 a detesting feeling about uh, Herod. And so, verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Why is he troubled? He's troubled because uh, because he knows that he's not a legitimate ruler of the Jews, and the Jews really don't like him, uh, even though he's you know extended the temple complex and made it bigger and all of these other things. He's troubled because he, he feels like, well, if I'm not a legitimate ruler, and there's there's a king that's been born, and this has been prophesied, I better do something about this fast, otherwise I'm going to lose my throne. And so he was troubled. And then it says, all Jerusalem with him. Now, why would Jerusalem? be troubled <laughs> because they knew about Herod. Herod had already uh, killed his wife and had uh, a couple of his sons killed because uh, he felt threatened in his uh, rulership and he thought that they were conspiring against him and so he had them killed. So they know about Herod's tendency to be violent uh, when he feels like his throne and his positions being threatened. So they're troubled with him. In verse 4, And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they sent unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And this is uh, in, found in the book of Micah, by the way. And he says this, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now I find it sad. They knew exactly where the Christ child would be born, but they totally missed this. Doesn't it seem interesting that uh, you would think, what a powerful sign. Okay, a couple things I do want to mention before we go any further. Uh, you would think that they would be convinced about, you know, here's these wise men coming from the east, and they're watching the stars, and they see the star arise, and they're aware of the scriptures, and so here come the these pagan foreigners from another land uh, seeking the Christ child, and they're aware of this scripture. And, and so they come. Now, notice, why did the wise men come to Jerusalem? They came to Jerusalem because that's where you would expect to find the king of the Jews. 
And so when they came, you can imagine, they said, well, this looks right because here's this giant palace and, and uh, you know, where is he born at king of the Jews? And they come and Herod's the only quote-unquote king of the Jews. But uh, they're asking, where is he that's been born king of the Jews? And so this was troubling. And then the scribes, when Herod asked, he said, tell me, where is the Christ child supposed to be born? They knew exactly where he was supposed to be born because of the book of Micah and the announcement there. And uh, they quote from Micah when they say, Thou Bethlehem Judah, um, uh, in the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So they knew exactly where he would be born, but they missed his coming. Then it says this, Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now, uh, they didn't know Herod very well, but Herod obviously was only doing this so he could get his hands on that child and kill him. Uh, because he felt threatened once again. And it says, And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now that's incredible. Uh, it Obviously this tells us it's more than just a star. In fact, many people believe, you know, when it, the Bible talks about angels, it talks about the stars rejoiced. Uh, so it's very possible that this was an angel guiding the way for these wise men. And it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, okay, let me stop here and say this. A lot of times when you see uh, uh, Chris, uh, Christmas nativity scenes, you'll see uh, the, the magi and the shepherds coming around uh, the manger. That is not right. It's actually false because they, uh, the wise men did not come to the manger. The Christ child was in the house by the time the wise men came. So th there's a lot of things that people believe that are just not true. And that's one of them. If they just read their Bible very carefully, they'd find out the fact that actually Jesus was in the house when the wise men came. And it says, And when they were come to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Oh, there's so much to be said here. Uh... Let's let's talk just for a minute about this. Now, in our study of the book of Matthew, which I'm doing separately from our Bible 101 series, we're going to go very in-depth into this passage and, and look into the gifts that they presented, why they presented them the way they presented, what the Magi believed, where they came from. We're going to go into all that stuff. And But in this Bible 101 series, my focus is not just on the book of Matthew, and so I'm not going to uh, really get too in-depth into these passages because... I I don't want to get distracted. I want to keep moving through the story. So listen to the study of the book of Matthew uh, for me to get really, really in depth uh, into those uh, in, into these events. But then it says, but I want you to notice something, okay? It says, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. Now, isn't it interesting how the Jews were taken by surprise because they never expected the Messiah to come as a child. 
Okay, they didn't expect him to come so lowly and meek and humble to such a lowly family. But these wise men weren't thrown off at all by this. Uh, they came and they had read enough of the scriptures and they knew more than the Jews knew. And uh, they didn't even know where he was supposed to be born, but the Jews knew it. But when they came, they weren't, you know, and rather than be taken aback, oh, we didn't come to see a little baby, but they came and they fell down and they worshipped him, just a little child, but they recognized who it was. Isn't it sad? We're going to see over and over and over again that Gentiles are going to recognize who Jesus is, but the Jews are going to totally miss it. Okay, and it says, and when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now notice, two things I want to bring up here. It says, they fell down and worshipped him. Why is that important? Uh, then it says, and when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. Can I speak to the Catholic out there today that, that might be listening and say this? Notice, when the wise men came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. But they did not worship Mary. They did not present gifts to Mary. They worshiped Jesus, and they presented gifts to Jesus. Can I just say, they didn't inquire on Mary's behalf. Uh, you know, let's worship you so we can get to the child. Let's present gifts to you so we can get to the child. No, Mary is not our intercessor. No, we shouldn't pray to Mary. Uh, no, we have no example in the Holy Script of anyone praying to Mary and anyone using Mary to intercede on their behalf. All right, let's move forward. It says they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I don't have a lot of time to get into this, uh, but um, these it's believed by many scholars that these gifts would help finance the trip that, uh, that Joseph and Mary would later take. We'll, perhaps we'll get into that in our study of the book of Matthew. Verse number 12, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph, in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Let me stop here and talk about something. I mentioned in our very first Bible 101 lesson that not only is Jesus mentioned in prophecy, but he's also uh, seen in typology in the Old Testament. We've talked about that uh, infinitum over and over and over again. But let me just say this. Don't you think it's interesting uh, that Joseph in the Old Testament was a man of dreams that would be used to deliver his brethren uh, from the famine? Okay? Now, in the New Testament, Joseph's, uh, or excuse me, Jesus's earthly father, not, not his natural father, but his earthly father, uh, was a man of dreams. His name's Joseph. He's a man of dreams. And he, through dreams, delivers Jesus from Herod uh, and from other uh, men that would seek to harm him and hurt him. So, again, that's it's very interesting. Okay, and it says this. Uh, now, notice where he's led, too. This is another typology, a bit of typology here. Verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. Remember what Joseph told his brothers to do? And his father, come to Egypt. I'll take care of you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beautiful, the typology here. And it says, And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And there was, uh, an, and, 
and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Now, somebody might look at that and they say, This prophecy, by the way, is found uh, in the book of Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1, and I'm not going to take the time to read that, but some uh, Jews would point to this and they would say, well, he quoted that out of context. It's talking about Israel coming out of bondage out of the land of Egypt. But again, can I remind you, not only is Jesus spoken about in words of prophecy, but he's also spoken about in typology. And he's going to relive uh, Israel uh, in the events that happened to Israel. For instance, Israel was tempted in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus is going to be tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, uh, that's where they were tried. Israel failed, but Jesus succeeded. Okay, Just as Israel had to flee into Egypt to be saved from the famine, Jesus is going to have to go into Egypt to uh, be saved from the famine. But then, it says he was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Remember, Egypt is a type of the world. It's never the will of God for us to stay in Egypt. And so Jesus came out of Egypt. And remember, what did Joseph tell his, his uh, brethren and the children of Israel when he died? He said, you carry up my bones from hence. In other words, it's not the will of God for you to stay in Egypt. There's going to come a day God's going to deliver you out of Egypt. And so it's the same thing here. Jesus went down to Egypt to be saved from Herod, but he didn't stay in Egypt. All right. Uh, then verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Uh, and it says, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, in other words, Jeremiah, uh, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. All right, several things I want to talk about here. Uh, it says, when Herod was mocked of the wise men, he was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. All right. Uh, now, some people, skeptics of the Bible, have pointed to this passage and they've said, see, this is not uh, backed up by any historical document. Josephus doesn't mention it. There's no other historian that mentions this uh, happening, and so it can't be true. However, let me point something out. Uh, the fact that, remember, Bethlehem was a tiny town. It's a small place. It's not a huge place. Bethlehem is a small place. And then he singled out children that were two years old and under. So if Bethlehem was a small place uh, and it was only children two years old and under, that's not a whole lot of children that are being killed. And so it's very, very possible that Herod could have done this. Plus, history does back up the fact that Herod was a man uh, that uh, was a very wrathful man, a man very suspicious, and a man that was driven to kill even members of his own family. I've already talked about the fact he had his wife and children killed, uh, his sons killed, because he thought that they were conspiring against him to take the throne away from him. So it, this this it is backed up by history um, to, to show us this is not apart from Herod's character. And also uh, the fact of it was probably a much smaller slaughter than maybe what you have in mind. There wasn't a whole lot of children that died. But Herod... Uh, it, he kind of, you know, this shows how irrational he was. It's almost like putting a bomb 
uh, in an airport for the purpose of killing one person. Uh, and that's kind of the way Herod did it. But he wanted to make sure he got Jesus. Now, he killed a lot of male children that day. I say a lot, um, but, but not probably as many as you think. Uh, we don't know how many, but um, scholars are kind of divided on how many would have been in Bethlehem at the time. But he killed uh, numbers of, of male children that day, but Jesus escaped. And can I just say to you, it doesn't matter who's against you. If God before before you, who can be against you? Uh, the enemy may try to uh, to come up with plans to destroy your life, but if God's for you, you're going to escape. You're going to get out of all of them. Uh, and so this is what it says here. Let's go to verse number 19. Oh, and by the way, let me say this. Uh, if this story seems familiar to you, it's because it is. Once again, Jesus is reliving the history of Israel. He's overcoming where they failed, but he's reliving their history. Remember what happened? Uh, okay, now, first of all, Matthew, when we get more into our study of Matthew, we're going to talk about the fact that there's three focuses that Matthew puts upon the life of Jesus. He's going to present Jesus as the new uh, uh, Davidic king, okay, because remember a prophecy in Second Samuel where uh, God told David because he desired to build a house for the Lord and God said, I'm not going to let you build the house. Your son will build the house because you have blood on your hands, uh, basically. But he said, uh, but David, I'm going to establish your throne uh, uh, over Israel forever. And that's exactly what happened through Jesus. So he's going to be presented as the new uh, Davidic king. And so, uh, but he's going to be higher than than David. He's going to be the root and offspring of David. And so he's going to rule forever. And his kingship is not of this world. That's why Matthew over and over and over again talks about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. He's presenting that this is not an earthly kingdom. This is a heavenly kingdom because the Jews were expecting uh, an earthly kingdom that would come in and destroy all the Gentile nations and subject all of them to him. But he said it's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And it's not like what they were thinking. Okay, and then he's going to present him also as uh, the new Abraham who's going to come along and he's going to have, uh, uh, remember, God told Abraham, through you all nations of the earth will be blessed. And I believe that's in Genesis chapter number 12. And so he's going to present him as the new Abraham that comes along and through him all nations of the earth are blessed. He's a child of Abraham. That's why uh, he begins with saying the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. This is chapter 1, verse number 1 of Matthew. The son of David, the son of Abraham. So he's going to present him that way, but he's also going to present him as the new Moses, who's going to come along and not destroy the law, but fulfill the law. Now, remember what happened to Moses. Pharaoh sent in to kill all the male children. He said, cast them into the river. But Moses was spared. He killed all those children. He killed all kinds of male children and cast them into the river. But Moses was spared. Okay. Uh, now, doesn't this sound familiar? Because here's Herod killing all the male children, but Jesus is spared. Jesus was the deliverer. Moses was the deliverer back in his day. Jesus is the deliverer uh, of all of us. Moses was just the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt, but Jesus is the deliverer for every soul. And so he's spared. Now, you can see, once again, he's mentioned not just in uh, prophetic word, but also in typology. All right, let's continue. 
uh, and it says, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth to him in a uh, appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Again, this is Matthew chapter two and verse number nineteen, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judah. Uh, in Judea, uh, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. Uh, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. All right, now, uh, a lot of things I could talk about. And again, we're going to actually... Uh, perhaps discuss this more in depth in our study of Matthew. I can't get into all of this uh, in this particular lesson because this lesson would go on for hours. But uh, let me just kind of say it this way. It says, He came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. There's some debate as to what scripture this is talking about. Uh, some believe that this is a, a reference to Isaiah 11 and 1, where Christ is spoken of as uh, an, a netzer or rod out of the stem of Jesse. Uh, and, and so some believe that it's a reference to this. There's some debate about that. But whatever the case is, he says, he shall be called a Nazarene. And obviously, uh, Matthew didn't go too in depth into this. So he expected his audience, who are the Jews again, to know what he was talking about. Uh, and so some people may say, well, he, he misquoted and he said this wrong and he did this wrong. Look, Matthew wasn't stupid. And he's writing to Jews. He's writing to people that were experts in the law. And so uh, Matthew's going to do his homework. So he knew what he was talking about. And they obviously knew what he was talking about. And then it says this, um, uh, Archelaus. Now, why was he more scared of Archelaus than Herod? Well, Archelaus was very corrupt. Uh, Archelaus was extremely violent, just like Herod was. And so history bears that out. And I'm not going to go too in-depth into that. Uh, and then if you flip over to the book of Luke... And we're going to end this lesson this way to kind of pick up uh, where Matthew lefts off. Again, uh, if I can just describe it this way, you might say, well, why are there differences in the Gospels? And I may have mentioned this before, but let me just kind of give uh, this, this story here kind of to illustrate a point. Let's say that there was a wreck that happened uh, where it, at an intersection and... Uh, two sides of that intersection had stop signs. And so uh, one of them ran the stop sign and the other had stopped but started to pull through. But when the guy ran the stop sign, he collided uh, with the driver that did it the right way. And let's say there was somebody in the front that saw the wreck. There was somebody on the left side that saw the wreck, somebody on the right side that saw the wreck, and somebody behind that saw the wreck. Each of them would probably be able to give different details, but they all observed the same wreck. Uh, and also, uh, depending on who they're talking to, they may have a particular focus on uh, how they're going to describe that wreck. Um, and so, can I just can I just say this uh, that remember each of the Gospels has a different audience. Matthew writes to the Jews, and so he focuses more on the prophecies. He focuses on, like I said, the new David, the new Abraham, the new Moses. Uh, he gives all of these prophecies. He talks about Jewish customs. He expects his audience to be familiar with these Old Testament scriptures. However, uh, Luke has a totally different focus. He's writing to a Gentile. He is a Gentile writing to a Gentile. And so uh, he's going to have a totally different focus, whereas Mark is going to give kind of a basic overview 
of the gospel account. And then when you get to John, uh, John focuses on Jesus as God because obviously people were already trying to make Jesus something less than what he really was. And so John focuses on Jesus as God and he picks out the sayings that back that up and prove it. So it's not as if uh, they are all just writing their own opinion of what Jesus did and, and, and each of them differ and on these accounts. They're just giving different perspectives and they also have different audiences. So their focus is going to be different. So, okay, let's go to the book of Luke chapter number two. Uh, and then you read about uh, in, in this account, one thing I, I want to focus on is the adoration of the shepherds. Uh, so let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number 2, and we're going to have to probably end with this. Verse number 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels are gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go even to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now they did come to the manger. The Bible specifically says that. And when they had seen it, uh, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Okay, uh, there are a lot of things that could be said about this, but um, rather than get too in-depth, I'm going to keep reading. Let's go to verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Now notice how they did everything according to the law, according to the law, according to the law. They were not rebellious people. They obeyed the law. There's a reason why God selected this family. And it says, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. If you really want some good study material, go through and study Mary and Joseph and how many times they did things according to the law, according to the law, or according to what the angel of the Lord told them to do. They were always obedient to God without a single exception. And then it says this, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Now, there are several things to be talked about here. The fact is, notice that the, the shepherds kept watch over their flocks by night. They were just doing what they always did. Remember how I talked in a previous lesson, in the last lesson, about how Zacharias did according to the custom. Now, here we got the shepherds doing according to what they always did, just staying faithful to their service when one day uh, angels appear to them. All right, here's John. 
Joseph and Mary, just being obedient to the law, obedient to God, God sees their faithfulness and he blesses them and rewards them by allowing them to raise the Christ child. And then we've got Simeon here, just and devout. Let me tell you, that doesn't mean that he just one time did something right. That meant he, he lived a consistent life for God. God blesses consistency. Don't ever forget it. God blesses consistency. And so he's just and devout. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel because God had given him a promise and he held on to that promise and he refused to give up on the promise. Can I tell you, if God's given you a promise, hold on to that promise. Don't ever give up on it. And so here Simeon is an old man, obviously, and he says, now when he holds the Christ out, he says, now let thy servant depart in peace. He didn't say, oh, it's a baby. I wasn't waiting for this. I was expecting a great king to come down from heaven. Once again, most of the Jews missed him because they didn't think he would come the way that he came, to a lowly family in a lowly manger. But uh, but there are some people that saw him for what he was. And it says, and he worshiped the Lord. And then he says this, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So he recognized that he was going to light the way for the Gentiles. Whereas again, a lot of Jews missed that. And then it says this, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. When did this happen? Probably uh, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when uh, Mary ha would have to sit back and watch as her son was horribly mangled and crucified on the cross. It's like a sword piercing through her soul. It says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then verse 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of uh, Phanuel of the tribe of Aser, uh, and she was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her, from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Once again, consistent. God blesses consistency. She just kept praying and kept praying and kept praying, and one day God rewarded her. Can I just say, if you don't give up and you're just stay consistent to God and you stay faithful to God, God blesses consistency. Alright, verse 38, And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Okay, and then it says this, And uh, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And we'll stop there this lesson. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to study the Word of God. God, I'm asking that you would continue to speak to us and give us understanding and revelation as we continue to study your Word. Talk to every soul that's listening to uh, the sound of my voice today, Lord. Help them. Let these lessons spark a hunger in their soul. This isn't meant to do their thinking for them, but let this lesson spark a hun hunger in their soul to study the Word of God for themselves. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Thank you.